Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and today I have the honor of hosting Susan Weiland, the National Vice President for the North Central Region of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Susan's journey is one of inspiration and dedication from her 36-year career at Motorola to her profound involvement with the Society since 2012. It's this enlightening, in this enlightening conversation, we'll delve into Susan's experiences exploring how her international background in Beijing, China, and her leadership roles with the St. Vincent de Paul Society shape her commitment to building a more just world. We'll discuss the impact her impactful work of the St. Vincent de Paul Society, its mission rooted in gospel values, and how Susan, along with 800,000 members worldwide, strives to be the face of Christ for neighbors in need. This is a conversation about faith, service, and making a meaningful difference in the world. So stay tuned as we gain insights from Susan Weiland on her remarkable journey and the transformative work of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Without further ado, a warm greeting to our guest, Susan Weiland. Thank you for coming on today, Susan. Yeah, thank you for the invitation, Paul. Of course, it's an honor to have you here. So can you share with us what inspired you to get involved with the St. Vincent de Paul Society, or the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, as some call it, and how did your journey with this organization begin back in January of 2012? Yeah, well, great question. It was not, uh, it was a very... um winding road, actually. Um, My husband and I, my second marriage, got married about 15 years ago, and one of our commitments um, was that once we were married, we would um, certainly be faithful to the church, but get involved in the ministries in the church, in our parish. And, And so that's where I started, was a ministry in the parish. And then I learned about um, our conference in Hampshire, Illinois, that was just starting up and was interested in what they were doing, um, you know, making home visits, uh, helping those um, uh, those in need. And um, that's really what inspired me uh, to join. Um, sometimes we join because we've been invited to do something, but then we realize, you know, that we're no longer there just as volunteers. We're there as incentions. And that transformation has happened over the last 12 years. Um, that has become more of a vocation and a calling uh, for me rather than just a volunteer activity. Mm-hmm. So for listeners who don't already know, could you explain in a nutshell, what is the St. Vincent de Paul Society and how is it structured? Sure. So the Society of St. Vincent de Paul is, it performs works of um, charity uh, by meeting with those in need, which we call friends in need in their homes, uh, wherever possible. Uh, And we visit in pairs. Um, And um, actually the home visit is sort of the basic thing that we do. And um, there's no act of charity that's foreign to us as we look to assist you know, those in need and serving our neighbors. Um, What was the second part of that question, Paul? It was, how is the Society of St. Vincent de Paul structured? I know a lot of local churches have one, so to speak, but it's also a worldwide organization. Can you explain exactly how that's the case? Yes. So it did, it is a worldwide organization and it began in Paris. 
um, we are structured, um, our lowest level is a conference. So that's really the parish-based um, organization is called a conference. And, um, and actually, that's a tribute to the original Conference of Charity uh, that was uh, established in Paris. Um, and as, as you mentioned, um, it is commonly organized at local parishes. Uh, conferences have um, usually between 15 and 20 active members. So those members who uh, go on home visits, and uh, we do meet twice a month um, as well. And then we also have a few associate members that will help out with uh, some of our outside activities uh, or fundraisers. Um, most of the work is done by the conferences, um, and um, sometimes some of our conference will run a food pantry as well. Um, so, um, yeah, that's kind of what we do. Hmm. So, as we said in the beginning, you are the National Vice President for the North Central Region. Could you explain to listeners what exactly that region is, what you encompass, and then also mm-hmm. what are your main responsibilities and goals in that role? So, um, we are structured by regions. In the United States, there are nine regions. Um, and uh, again, uh, the region I'm responsible for is the North Central Region, which includes six states in the Midwest, so North Dakota and South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Illinois. And um, my responsible responsibility is really, it's more of a, a servant leader, if you will. I'm here to serve uh, all of the uh, conferences and the diocesan councils and the district councils uh, in those states. That's really my primary role. So I'm here to support, um, and uh, I am part of the national board. Um, so we are making, you know, we do make some decisions and um, uh, visions as we uh, meet as a national group as well. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about the vision of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. How do you envision even making a positive impact on your community? So for me, my vision for our, my community here in Hampshire, um, and actually I guess you could say for all of the region as well, is really to serve, uh, to serve the poor, to serve those in need. Mm. And, and again, grow spiritually. That's our primary purpose is to grow spiritually and we we see the faith of Christ in every everyone that we serve, and we also hope that they see the freight face of Christ in us as well. So, um, so my vision is to provide that leadership uh, to to my conference and my. I'm actually part of the Rockford Diocese Council, uh, so leadership in in the in the council as well, and um, as well as in the region. Hmm. So, if my research is correct, you have a pretty extensive background in business administration and marketing. Do you? Th- and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But do you think that that has helped you, especially in your leadership positions now with the um, as conference president and uh, Rockford Council? Well, sorry, I'm getting my notes mixed up here. Basically, your roles in marketing and business administration 
in your careers in the past, have those helped you a lot now in your position as uh, the national vice president for the North Central region? Yes, absolutely. They do. Um, I, 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 part of my background, a lot of my background uh, with Motorola was really as a project manager, too. So I'm very into uh, timelines and, uh, you know, commitments to timelines. Uh, and then also, um, in terms of the marketing aspect, I have uh, developed a couple of marketing, um, I don't know, I guess little vignettes. Um, so, for example, uh, we're trying to grow conferences uh, in the Rockford Diocese when I was the president of the council. And one of the things that we, that we put together were some, um, like, flyers on, to, to mail out to every single pastor in, in our uh, diocese so that they understood who is, who is a Vincentian and what is, you know, what is it that we do and what is a home visit so that we could get the word out, you know, and, and, and give them a better understanding of who we are and how we can help. Um, our parish communities and our, you know, our civic duty to help the community as well. So that's helped a lot as well. Um, I would say organization uh, is another part of that. Um, understanding, I think, the different cultures, ethnicities um, that we work work with as well. Uh, when I was in Beijing, I had uh, I was responsible for. I mean, it was extremely diverse and. Um, I I had uh, some individuals from Japan and Thailand and Indonesia uh, working for me and China. So it was quite diverse. So that really comes into play as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing is just being a team player also, that everybody, there, there's no I in team, right? So we all have great ideas um, and we're open to those ideas. So that's something that I, you touched on it something very interesting that I've been dying to talk about. You spent years in Beijing, China. You were, if my research is correct, uh, you managed a a diverse team in your role as the director of Asia Pacific operations for Motorola. How long were you in China? What were you doing and what was life like there? Um, Well, I was in China for about six and a half years, so almost seven years. Um, I, that was like the um, the climax of my career, if you will. I made some lifelong friends there um, in China. Um, the work ethic was, it was just amazing how they all um, put their head to the grindstone. You're not really, um, not so much visible to the corporate office, so you can, you're free of that chatter going on around you as well. And what was the other part of your question? Well, really, I'd actually like to ask a little more about what it was, what the culture was like, life was oh, like, because you didn't just work there, yeah. of course. You lived there, you traveled yeah. there, you ate there, you dined out there. What is that culture like? Because I'll be honest with you, not many of us know someone who's actually spent time <laughs> in Asian countries, let alone specifically China. Yes. Okay. So, yes, I loved the culture of, of Asia. And... um I lived in a, I have a, I had a home, a single family home that was in a Western compound. So it was, uh, you know, I, I felt very comfortable in my home. 
um, I had a driver and um, who was drove me wherever I wanted to go. We could not speak. Uh, he spoke only Chinese and I spoke only English. So we did a lot of translations through business cards and I'd have people write down where I wanted to go or what I needed to do. So we would communicate um, other ways, but we became actually very, very close and very good friends. Um, I love the food. Uh, I would not eat uh, duck tongue or duck feet. That was out of the question. <laughs> um, but I love the history. The history is so rich there. Um, you know, with the Forbidden City and the Temple of Heaven and um, all of that. So, um, yeah, I fit in very well. I loved it. I miss it dearly. Um, and, um, yeah. Very, very interesting. There's a whole different episode we could do on Catholicism. Of course, this is Catholic Spirit Radio, Catholic Conversations about Catholicism in China, in Asia more broadly. But that's a topic for another conversation. Um, I I had a question here that I wanted to ask you one more about being in China. Well, first of all, you said that it was hard to communicate with anyone. Was this before the days of Google Translate? Yes. So this was it uh, in 1998 is when I first went over there. Um, so it was all done. You know, I would have to ask somebody to, you know, here's what I want to do. Write it down in Chinese. And, um, you know, I would give it to my driver and he would, um, you know, know exactly what I needed. Um, my admin also did all my banking because I didn't know how to write my name in Chinese. <laughs> for my bank account. So, um, yeah, um, there were ways to do it. And um, uh, the people who actually worked for me all spoke English. So uh, wor- working for a Western company, they all did speak English. So that made it very easy for me. Wow. Oh, I'm sure it did. Those are two drastically different languages. And we're going to go to break in just one minute. I have plenty more questions for our guest today, Susan Wyland of the Board of Directors for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. We'll be right back with more hard-hitting questions, and I'm going to ask you, Susan, about some stories you have from your time with the Society in just one minute. But first, here are a few words from our beloved sponsors. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and CatholicSpiritRadio.com. There's a new app! So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free! New app, same quality program. 
programs. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station. 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I am speaking with Susan Weiland, the National Vice President for the North Central Region of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. So, Susan, you know what? Before we get uh, started here... In my research, I found this organization referred to as the Society of St. Vincent de Paul and the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Is there a correct way to address it? The Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Okay, there we have it. Well, You know, an interesting tidbit. Let me just—people think when you say, you know, who is the founder of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, and everybody says, oh, it's got to be St. Vincent de Paul, but it's not. It's actually Frederick Ozanam. Um, and um, he he founded um, the society um, in um, in the mid 1800s, or actually the early 1800s. And um, uh, Frederick or uh, Vincent was actually his um, uh, model that he modeled it after because of Vincent's life and service to the poor. Wow! So just, just a tidbit. Well, there is some, that's a fun, fun fact for anyone. I I always thought it was St. Vincent de Paul himself founded it. That's very interesting. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul aims to build a more just world through personal relationships and service to people in need. Susan, I wanted to ask, can you share a specific experience or story that highlights the impact of these personal relationships on individuals and communities? Do you have any good stories from your time in the society? Uh, uh, yeah, I, and, and not just one, but um, one that always uh, comes to mind, that it's always on my mind, actually, is um, a, a friend in need, uh, and I'll call him Nick, uh, had called in for some assistance. And uh, we went out to visit him, and he had moved here from Montana with um his girlfriend, and he had some disabilities. Um, They weren't so obvious, but it was hard for him to keep a job. So he needed some assistance with um, some rent and some utilities, which we helped him with. And um, I didn't really, um, he actually had a, uh, a name. His last name was actually a prominent family name in Hampshire. Um, and, um, so I kind of knew how he was related to other people, but not quite. I didn't quite connect the dots. But several months later, after we helped him, he had called me or called our number, uh, and it was 
it actually it was probably about this time of the year in January, and it was below zero. And um, he needed um, a gas card. And so I asked him to meet me at the parish office, and I would get him a, a card. And um, he, I gave it to him, and he went to start his car, and it wouldn't start. And so I had to run into the office and get jumper cables for him and bring them back out. And he jumped his car, and, I mean, it was so cold outside. But I rolled the window down just about two inches, and he looked inside the window, and all I could see were his eyes. And truly, I get, I get emotional every time I talk about it, truly the face of Christ was looking right at me. And I'll never forget his eyes looking at me through that window. And uh, that was in January. In July, I'd heard he actually passed away on the side of the road. Uh, he had an enlarged heart, and um, he died alone uh, on the side of the road. The kind of the the happy, if there is a happy ending to this story, I after he passed away, I did approach um, uh, his mom, and I figured out who his mom and dad were, and um, they sat behind us in church one one morning, and I I told them that their son was extremely special, and that I prayed for him all the time, and. Um, they had no idea that he needed help. Um, he was too, um, I guess, humble or too embarrassed to go to his parents, but he was actually adopted by this couple and very, very well loved. So um, that was a real moment's closest for me was uh, my relationship with, with Nick. Wow. What a powerful story. And when you mentioned that when you looked into his eyes, you truly saw the eyes of Christ. Immediately, I I remember the Bible verse, what you do to the least of me, you do to me. And it just makes me think that's it, a good philosophy to have when you're helping those in need. Each one of them is Christ. And to go a little further than that, you never know if Christ is truly one of them, if he is acting as one of those. Well, um, that's true. That's so true. And that is that Another story, I mean, this is a really quick one, but it was another cold night, and it was during, actually, it was during a recession. People were having a really difficult time, you know, buying gas for their cars and that kind of stuff, and I was at the gas station, and um, a guy came up to me and asked me for $5 for gas, and of course, he gave me this long, you know, story of why he needed the gas, you know, he was driving out, you know, to Rockford and he didn't have enough gas to get there. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And so I get in my car and I, I sat there and I'm like, that could be Jesus. Mm. You know, you can't turn him away. So I, um, I did ask him, I said, just pull your car up to the, to the pump. And I, I filled his, his uh, car up with gas. And you're right, Paul, you never know. You never know if you're, um, you know, really looking into the eyes of Jesus. Truly. Yeah. You have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, Christ is acting in some, it could be our guardian angels that are coming into our lives as mysterious people, you know, that just seem to help or seem to be asking for something from you. Maybe you never, you just really never know, but you, I, I, 
am almost certain that it happens more often than we think. And that's a strange thing to say. I mean, especially you were doing big things in the business world. This type of talk probably didn't happen that often. Uh, I, I myself do things in a business world. And of course, I'm with Catholic Spirit Radio. But those stories, they're so powerful. I remember one time my, my grandpa told me a story. I mean, I'm, I'm the host here. I'm, I'm going to share a story, though. Uh, my grandfather told me he was a devout Catholic man. He was good in business as well. But he'd said one night, you're speaking of cold nights, and it must have triggered this memory. He said that he uh, he was hiking somewhere, and it got so cold, and this was before they knew what the weather was going to be, I guess. They didn't have it on TV, and it got so unbelievably cold that he started slowing down. He could barely walk, and he was about a mile from town, and he said, and I'll never forget the story. He said that um, he was starting to get warm, which wasn't a good sign, and that he was kind of shutting down. And a strange car, just a car pulled up and a nice man rolled down the window and said, hey, you need a ride into town? And he said, yeah, absolutely I do. And he got in and he dropped him off at his house. And he, he said much more time out there and he was going to die. It was nighttime. It was freezing. He was a mile from town. I think it's zero degrees out there. And he said, I can't thank you enough. Can can you tell me what your name is? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. And drove off and he never saw that guy again. And, you know, I just love those stories. I love those stories. You might have been exactly that person for that man. And he might be wondering, man, was that my guardian angel? I just, I don't know. And it's great to be able to be on both sides of that from time to time. Anyway, I I really appreciate you sharing those stories. Those were beautiful. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. And speaking of grandparents, my grandmother was also, I think she's, she was really my, um, my example of doing these works of charity. Cause I remember as a child, uh, they lived in a small East Texas town and they were about three blocks from the train station. I remember gathering the whole family around Thanksgiving table with all this food on the table and the, um, the hobos from the train station, they would hop off the train and they would come right to her house. <laughs> She would take the food off of our table and make them a plate and take it out to them so they had something to eat. And um, she visited the sick. Um, I mean, she did all of the, you know, the um, the works of mercy with, with her small community. And she was just a wonderful example to me. Absolutely incredible. That's amazing. I, I love sharing these stories. I, I have to ask a question, though about the society itself. So the society operates in over 150 countries, not counties, but countries with a vast network of volunteers. How do you, Susan, see the organization growing and evolving to meet the changing needs and communities in the future? I think one of the things that we're really challenged with in the society is that we're an aging population. So most of the members in the society are aging and it's really, um, our goal is to really attract um, younger, um, younger members. Um, so we're working on strategies on how to, um, how to bring younger members in. And that's going to take some flexibility of some conferences. So, for example, conferences may not be able to meet in the middle of the day. You know, because if you want younger people, you're going to need to be a little more flexible and maybe have meetings in the evenings or even on the weekends because they also have families. So 
I think there's going to have to be some sort of a mindset shift on um, um, how our conferences or how conference members um, operate, you know, because we want to be welcoming to, to young folks as well. I think also we're trying, we're getting, we're, we're becoming, I know in, in the North Central region, we are starting to form uh, Hispanic conferences um, because there are some cultural differences. Uh, and actually some of, uh, some of our Hispanic conferences have members that don't speak English. So we also want to embrace, you know, our Hispanic brothers and sisters as well. So those are a couple of um, um, things that we're talking through and strategizing on how to do that. Understood. That seems like the, the society has a good grasp on what they'll need to do in the future. And I want to ask for one more story here before we wrap things up. Can you tell us about a challenging moment or situation that you've encountered in your service with the society and maybe how you navigated through it? One of the, I, there, it's another story of a, um, a mom. Um, she was a mom and she had two, she had one infant that was only a couple of months old and I think a two or three year old. And again, I don't know why all this stuff happens in January, but it was also in January and it was very, very cold outside and she um, had gotten an eviction notice and she um, she was told by a bunch of her friends, don't worry, they're not going to evict you because it's the middle of winter and you have children. Well, yeah, they evicted her. They put all of her stuff out on the, on the street. This was going back about, actually this was seven years ago in January. Oh. And she just watched all, you know, her baby's crib and all the clothing in the kitchen, everything tossed on the curbside. And um, in the community she was in, with social media, the word got out that she was being evicted and the trucks were lined up to pick up all of her goods. Um, so they were like vultures. So she was living in her car. And so it was really trying to... I was actually out of town. Um, it's, it was trying to find her a place to stay um, immediately so she didn't have to stay in her car. The beauty of this is that we have a lot of organizations that we work with in addition to just St. Vincent de Paul. So we, we were able to work with some of the community organization and other uh, evangelical um, churches in the area. Uh, actually, there was another conference that um, that helped as well. We put her up in a Super 8 motel uh, for several days until we could figure out um, how we could best help her. And uh, we found her an apartment that she, it was a subsidized apartment that she could move into uh, within a couple of weeks. So we housed her for a couple of weeks. Then we all got together. We all donated all of all, everything she needed to start a new household. And um, through all of that generosity, we were able to deliver that to her. And watching her being so joyful that so many organizations helped and uh, watching her unpack the boxes with her cups and her saucers and her plates. I mean, she was caressing each one of them like she had never had them before. And um, it was just it was just really special to see. 
um, you know, the whole community, all of the organizations come together. But it was a challenge, obviously, to get them, you know, to make those phone calls and get the donations and get the, you know, the, the furniture and whatever we needed. Um, but, um, yeah, it was absolutely am- amazing. That and is... I, I, yeah, just, and just what, what really struck me, it's actually um, St. Mother Teresa said, you know, I cannot alone change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And so I truly feel that we created a lot of ripples in those two weeks in, in helping her. Man, that is the beauty of humanity on full display in that story. I absolutely love that. And may I ask, in that story, were you also in a leadership position with the society at that time? Uh, uh, actually, let's see, six years, seven years ago, I was uh, the conference president. Okay, conference president. I was going to say, it's, it's really interesting to listen about how your whole career story comes full circle with the society. You learn so much about organization and uh, contacting people, communication, and everything that you do. It's so critical in the society, and it just seems like you're in the absolute right place now. And I guess I want to ask one more question before we close, and that's where do you think your desire to help in this way, in such a meaningful and impactful way with the society, where do you believe that that really stems from? What is your why? Why do you do this? I was called to do it. I mean, I resisted um, uh, when I, you know, again, this goes back to earlier statement that this is really a call from God to do this. Um, And um, even taking on the leadership roles, it was a lot of, um, you know, um, not listening. Um, And he kept telling me this is what he wanted me to do. Um, When when they had asked me to... um, run for the council president for the diocese, I was reading scripture and, you know, it, it kind of hit me and I'm, I made the connection like, oh, he's asking me to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm going to flip the page. And I turn the page and I mean, it said the same thing. So I'm like, okay, I really do need to listen. So I, I think it's really a call from God that makes me who I am and puts me in the place that I'm at. I love it. As the saying goes, God doesn't necessarily call those who are ready. He makes ready those who are called. And that's really interesting. Last thing here, for our listeners who may be inspired to get involved with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, what advice do you have uh, for someone looking to make a meaningful contribution in their community through volunteer work? Uh, We're always, I mean, certainly contact your local parish. Uh, to see if there is a conference that's in that uh, in that parish, uh, financial donations are certainly um, uh, you know appreciated, but also um, perhaps become a member of the society if it's something that you're really called to do and you want to get involved in in our service uh, to the poor, then you know get in touch with your local conference and see how you can become a member. Simple enough. Contact your local parish to see about local conferences. Maybe donate, see about becoming a member. Susan, I can't thank you enough for a great conversation today. It really has been inspiring and eye-opening, and I sincerely appreciate your time. 
Yeah, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Of course, and thank you to everyone for listening to this Catholic Conversation on Catholic Spirit Radio. Be sure to like us on Facebook, donate to our nonprofit on catholicspiritradio.com, and support your local St. Vincent de Paul Society, or Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Until next weekend, may God bless you with a great week. And Susan, again, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com. 